Welcome once again to In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. We're live streaming from our bat cave here at First Star Logistics, our outstanding studios. Dave Burke is in-house with me as well, and we're ready to take on what you guys have to, uh, have to say, have to talk about, your questions, your dialogue, as the Cincinnati Bengals are finishing, have finished up the bye week with a 5-4 and four mark, just out of the playoffs at this point in time but certainly in the hunt. I mean, they've got a lot of football games left against teams that are going to uh, be in the playoff hunt themselves. All you can ask for at this point, with in, as inconsistent as the season has been, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, is that you still control your own destiny. That's all you can ask for. And they're one of a bunch of football teams that still control their own destiny. Big thing is, as we talked about multiple times, 0-3 in the division. So this football game in Pittsburgh becomes huge. Got to get a division win. Right now, I wish I wish the Bengals were in the AFC East because everybody in the AFC East is over 500, and the Bengals are 2-0 against them. <laughs> I mean, the Bengals uh, have beat the Jets, played the Jets at the right time. The Jets have gotten much better since, handled the Jets 27-12, and then handled Miami the very next week 27-15. So they're 2-0 against the, uh, the division that's the best in the AFC right now in terms of performance. Uh, the Jets are, are winning football games. Miami's winning football games. Like I said, every, everybody's got a, a Buffalo. Even though they're on a two-game losing streak, they're still 6-3. and three. Everybody in the AFC East has a, has a better than 500 record. So uh, Bengals are still alive and, and, and more than that. So you just have to take it one game at a time. Big, huge football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, hopefully the guys took the opportunity during the bye week to rest up and not only rest their bodies, but get your mind right. You know, it's uh, there's, it's going to be a tough grind down the stretch in the second half of this season. There's no question about it. You look at it. At Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, Tennessee Titans are playing really good football. Rabel's got them playing great defense. They have a behemoth at the running back position in Henry. I mean, obviously, big, big challenge there. So they come out of the bye with two road games. Then they have two home games, Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns. All you have there is Mahomes and Watson at the quarterback position. Then you go on the road again, and you go up against the GOAT, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. And then you go to New England uh, with Bill Belichick and what he's got in store for you there in New England. Always a tough place to play. So they got two on the road. Two at home, two on the road, and then finish with two more at home. Buffalo Bills, they've got a great quarterback, Allen, even though he's making some red zone turnovers. He uh, historically has been unbelievable in the red zone, taking care of the football, but he's having his issues this year. And then finish up with uh, a guy we know, Lamar Jackson, at the quarterback position for the Baltimore Ravens here in Cincinnati. So four home games, four road games. Two on the road, two at home. Two on the road, two at home and you're playing outstanding quarterbacks. So here's my big key for the second half of the season. Protect Joe. The Bengals right now are 26th in the NFL in sacks allowed per pass attempt, 26th out of 32 teams. Their sack numbers, 32, rate higher or even worse, you know, number of sacks allowed, but they've thrown it so much that the sack ratio per pass attempt is 26th in the National Football League. Surprisingly, on the flip side of that, 
sacks generated by the defense per pass attempt. They're 28th in the National Football League in that category. So the Bengals are in the bottom third, bottom quarter in both of those areas, protecting their quarterback and pressuring the opposition quarterback. You got to do a good job of that down the stretch. You have to protect Joe and you have to pressure these quarterbacks we just listed that they're going to be playing. Not necessarily, you know, to the tune of six sacks a game, but two or three sacks hitting the quarterback, shrinking in the space on the quarterback is all big, all huge. And you want to keep space for Joe Burrow. Don't let him get hit. Prevent him from being sacked. I think that's going to be a big, big factor in how they uh, how they finish down the stretch this football season. And to do that, you have to run the football. It's going to be a hell of a lot easier to pass protect if you run the football, and you got to stop the run. Um, and they've had their moments, really good moments, of stopping the run. And then they've let some some teams get out the gate on them a little bit. And it's going to be very interesting to see if DJ Reader uh, is able to return against Pittsburgh. Uh, to Paul, if he's able to come back at, in, at some point in the second half of the season and start to fortify what's going on up front there, that would be a that would be a big thing. It's going to who's going to be able to run the football, who's going to be able to stop the run is going to be massive in this game against Pittsburgh. Both these teams are coming off big days running the ball and stopping the opponent from running the football. As we know, the Bengals against the Carolina Panthers before the bye. They ran it 39 times for 241 yards. Joe Mixon had 153 of those yards. They held Carolina, more importantly, or equally importantly, to 64 yards on 18 carries. They outrushed Carolina by 177 yards. Pittsburgh, last week, against New Orleans, they ran it for 217. Najee Harris had 99 yards rushing. And out of the quarterback, out of the quarterback position, Pickett showed mobility. He had 51 yards rushing. He can hurt you with his feet. And they held New Orleans to 39 yards rushing. So they were plus 178. They outrushed the Saints by 178. The Bengals outrushed Carolina by 177. Both teams coming off great games, running the football, stopping the run, dominating the line of scrimmage, winning up front, fit and finish as offensive linemen, separate from blocks as defensive linemen. Don't get don't get blocked. If you can get the running game going, you're going to be much in a much better position to protect your quarterback, play action pass, everything that comes with it. If you can stop the run, you're going to tee off in the opposition quarterback. So it all goes, a glove fits the hand. I mean, that that's what we're looking at here. Who is going to be able to build off of what they did in their last football game? The Bengals before the bye with the Carolina Panthers. Who can build off the momentum of running the ball, stopping the run? Pittsburgh, will they be able to build off the momentum of running the ball, stopping the run against the Saints? It's going to be big in Pittsburgh. It always is. There's no doubt about it. Randy Byers has a question, Dave. All right. Do you have an update on Chris Evans? Uh, let me give you an update on, on injuries in general. Um, Chris Evans... Uh, is in a situation where he tours PCL and that's the one that you need the least. So uh, the PCL, if I'm not mistaken, stabilizes front to back. He got, I think he got hit flush right at, right in the front of his knee. I think that PCL is torn. I think he'll play 
I think he'll probably play. I wonder if he'll play with a brace. Braces are cumbersome. It's going to be interesting to see. But I think Chris Evans will will make the dance um, right away. Now, how how big will his role be? Really hasn't been all that big to begin with. But uh, will it be diminished more because of the injury? I don't think so. I think he's going to be able to go. I think Trey Flowers comes back from the hamstring issue. Mike Hilton is going to play against the Pittsburgh Steelers if he doesn't even have a little finger. He broke it in three places. He could have an amputated. He'd still play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he had surgery uh, to fix that broken uh, little finger. And uh, right after, right after the, uh, right before the bye. So he, he'll, he'll be, he'll be able to go. He's going to play. Jamar Chase, I don't think we'll see him this week. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he plays against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, when will he be able to play? You hope Tennessee, potentially, but I, I don't think it's going to be Pittsburgh. DJ Reader looks like he's going to be able to – he was brought off the uh, reserve injured list, um, seven-year player, uh, big run stuffer inside, friend of our podcast, video cast here in the trenches. He's uh, He went on injured reserve September 29th, so he was brought off. Uh, the reserve injured list earlier this week. He's got a 21-day period where he can practice and not count against the roster. I think won't take anywhere near those 21 days. I think he's going to be activated by the end of the week, and they'll have to make a roster move with the activation of DJ Reader. Brandon Wilson also was brought off the reserve pup list, physically unable to perform list with a knee issue, six-year player. And he's got 21 days to practice as well and not count against the – uh, 53 men roster. So those two guys were, those transactions were made during the course of the bye week here um, in, in getting ready for this practice week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's kind of Dax Hill shoulder. If, if Dax Hill, in fact, sublux the shoulder, which is a dislocation, I've done that. Um, if it's a, it was a, if it's a clean one, it dislocates and pops right back in. Like what happened with Jonah Williams when he subluxed his kneecap, dislocated, popped right back in. Uh, Gunther dislocated his kneecap, didn't pop back in. The kneecap stayed out there, a little bit more collateral damage. Depending on how clean the subluxation, the dislocation was of the shoulder, um, Dax Hill could play, could play with a brace. If he has to have surgery, can wait until after the season to have the surgery. Uh, that, you know, that that's normal course of action, depending on if, in fact, he did dislocate it. But I'm just saying worst-case scenario, I've experienced it, know what it's like, you can play. Um, I don't think, you know, if he – I don't I don't think he has any collarbone injury. If he has a collarbone injury, that's another issue to deal with. But I think it's just a shoulder issue is what my understanding is. So, But you've got, you know, all the – muscle groupings around there when you sublux, when you dislocate the shoulder. So how much collateral damage was done? What was done to the deltoid? Um, you know, what was done to the, 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 the capsule in the shoulder and all those kind of things depends on the severity of the dislocation. If in fact it's subluxed at all. So shoulder problem, I think he'll play. Will he play with a brace? Potentially Logan Wilson is. Logan Wilson's playing with a brace. He had his uh, shoulder that he had surgically repaired, had an issue with that, missed one game, played with a, a harness brace type scenario. 
Sometimes you uh, <clears throat> tear scar tissue, and that can feel nasty. That can feel like you re-injured it, and you didn't really do anything structurally to the to the uh, surgically repaired area, but you tore scar tissue. And sometimes that can be as painful and as a big a problem, you know, for a short period of time as, uh, as injuring the darn thing. So these are all things that you deal with. You're at risk for injury 100% of the time, 100% of the snaps when you're playing in the national football league, no two ways about it. Uh, I, I, the good news is I think instead of losing people, now the Bengals had a buy at a very good time, right in the middle of the season. Now you start to get some people back. You get some reinforcements. You know, you call the cavalry. Come on, boys, give us a little little hand here. Come back and and contribute and participate. So that'll all be good if they've got bodies that can help them win down the stretch with these final eight games. There's no doubt about it. All right, I want to bring something up over the weekend on Twitter. Houday Ray asked the question, what play-by-play commentator would you want to narrate your life? And Ken Davies replied, I'd very much like Lap, DL in the trenches, to do the bam, bam, bam. That's coffin nails, Dan, at the funeral. You ever thought about doing a funeral? No. I, I, boy, I, I don't want to think about your funeral. There, there's no... <laughs> morbid to say the least you know we want you around for a long time who is that that uh that, that sent that message out for us that that was well ken davies replied okay was, ken. his reply All right uh to who day ray All right i'd very much like lap at dl in the trenches that do the bam 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 All right. that's coffin nails dan at the funeral okay ken we're talking a lot of years down the road you know <laughs> hopefully uh we both live a long time you know, I'll even be so kind as to say there's a good shot. You outlive me, Dan. <laughs> I can, I should say. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that all transpires. But uh, thanks for the kind words. Anyway, it's that's always a fun a fun uh, moment because you you know we don't do it unless we feel pretty confident that the Bengals are going to win the football game. So usually it's a celebratory thing for sure. Um, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. It all depends on how. Busy we are with other stuff during the course of a football game. Joseph's question was, O-line will make or break us. Is our line good enough for another playoff run? Yeah, Joseph, I, th- I think uh, the offensive line is kind of a microcosm of uh, inconsistency that we're talking about with respect to the football team. I mean, I mean, you look at uh, – let, let's take the last two games for the Cincinnati Bengals, and this is another microcosm of inconsistency. The Bengals have been up and down, like we talked about. Stunk to join up against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, and then w- go and have good performances. Played solidly against Dallas, just didn't quite finish that football game. Solid performances against the Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Um, they lose a heartbreaker to Baltimore. They rebound and play well offensively against New Orleans and Atlanta. But then you go to Cleveland and stink to join out. Just play the worst game you've played all year long. Cleveland Browns play the best game they've played all year long. And you get spanked 32-13 on national television up in Cleveland. And then you come back against Carolina and decimate them. 35 nothing at half. 315 yards to their 35 at the half. I mean, it was ridiculous. They had one first down. It was by penalty. They didn't generate a first down rushing or throwing the football. Uh, it was 32 yards on 17 plays is what they held 
Carolina to in the first half. And they had 315 yards offense themselves. Can't play a half any better than that. They were plus three in the turnover ratio in the first half and finished plus three for the game. So you go from playing that poorly in Cleveland to that well against Carolina, what you don't want to have are the big peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. You want to have consistency. Now, you're not going to play better every single week, but you don't want to have like a couple of games where you're rising and then you fall off the cliff. And then you stay down in the gully for another week and then you jump back up again. You don't want that. You don't want that. You want that graph to look very consistent and continually rising. You don't want it to be poo, up and down, up and down, and not know what to expect. The worst thing for a coaching staff is not to know what to expect out of their players that weekend. I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than practicing all week and you have great week, a great week of practice and you go to Cleveland and lay an egg. Or you have terrible weeks of pra- a week of practice, and then you go and you play tremendous football. And I'm not saying that's the way it went, but you want a, a coach wants to be able to have a barometer. We had a good solid week. I think I feel pretty good about this football team. You don't want to go into a game saying, I have no idea what we're going to do today. I have no idea how we're going to respond. I have no idea what my, I don't know what to expect. And until you start to establish that identity that everybody talks about, you know, from a consistent standpoint, we know when when it hits the fan, this the, these are the things we know we can do. And all good football teams, when they experience good seasons, end up getting to a point offensively or defensively, offensively and defensively and special teams, this is who we are, this is what we know we can do. And I think the Bengals are, are getting there. And I think the offensive line play is getting there as well. Carolina Panthers, man, I can show you some tape that is as good as you're going to see of uh, run blocking for Joe Mixon. I just uh, I just did did a thing down at, uh, at Paycor Stadium today for Laps Look uh, for the social media uh, stuff uh, with, with the Bengals. And man... One of Joe Mixon's runs, they ran a counter, and it's it's basically double team by the by the tackle in the in the tight end, double team by the guard, pull the backside guard, pull the backside tackle, backside guard kicks out at the end, defender defender at the line of scrimmage, and the tackle uh, turns up on the linebacker. Every single guy wasn't just blocked, was totally consumed, covered up destroyed, moved, and it's like Joe Mixon went through there like they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to touch him with a fingernail. Forget tackle him. I mean, it was blocked as well as you can block it. And I'm encouraged by what I saw in that uh, tape watching the Carolina Panthers game, the running game. Frank Pollock, the run game coordinator, came up with a masterpiece. Now, he, he put all kinds of things together. He had uh, angle blocking gap blocking. You know, he, he'd have linemen double and rub to the next level. He'd have pulling linemen. He'd have traps. He'd have counters. He'd have powers. He had uh, pin and pull where he'd pin in the outside uh, edge guy with the, with the tight end and pull big LC Collins around the horn and get him big body on a smaller defensive back. And Joe Mixon's off to the races. He'd do it with the guard and the tackle pulling both of them. 
I mean, he had all kinds of different looks schematically with his blocking game, with his gap scheme in terms of down blocking and pulling people, um, and in terms of of just lining up and coming off the ball, double team and get up to the climb to the next level. Somebody comes off to the next level. Joe Mixon's longest run, 29-yard run, was just boom, right up the football field. Nothing fancy. Um, Joe Mixon, one, Joe Mixon's touchdown run on one of them. They went three tight ends, and they had Adenogy as one of the tight ends as an extra tackle. And they had three tight ends on one side of the line of scrimmage. It was an unbalanced line. I mean, it was the whole field was tilting that way. And the uh, the the corner who's got run support on the outside, he sees three double teams inside. So he starts thinking Mixon's going to run the ball between the tackles, and he cheats inside. Joe Mixon plants his foot and just sprints to the outside. I don't know if you remember that run. He ran around the left side and just outran the cornerback. Cornerback didn't keep contain of the outside of it like he should have, and Joe Mixon made him pay. It was all because the offensive line, tight ends, wide receivers. Wide receivers were – they were pinning. Wide receivers were pinning defensive ends, pinning outside linebackers. They're motioning, cracking them, blocking down on them, pinning them, and letting linemen pull. It was a, a great exhibition – of, of run blocking by the offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends. It was, it was really, really something. Hopefully that continues in Pittsburgh. It's going to be tougher to do, I think, against the Pittsburgh Steelers than it was against the Carolina Panthers. They've got a couple of players that are, you know, a cut above. Um, but you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to. I think the team that comes out and establishes physicality in that running game and fits and finishes the best is going to have the best chance to win in Pittsburgh. Dave, did you have a, I don't know if you had a chance to this weekend getting a, a weekend off. I know you did some stuff with the grandkids, Yeah, but I was shocked by the performance of the Browns against the dolphins. And there were some, some interesting games that, that the, the bills game against the Vikings was crazy. Right. Uh, but just totally shocked that the Browns came out and really kind of laid an egg against the Dolphins. Uh, they're they're inconsistent as well. I mean, they've played well and they've played terribly. I, I was surprised because they came right down the field and scored. They took a 7 nothing lead, and the Dolphins said, no big deal, no problem. Tua's playing unbelievable football. He is – he's just – he's his his numbers are, are crazy stupid. Um, Joe Burrow, uh, third down, his numbers are, are, are insane, really. Joe's third down numbers. 132.5 quarterback rating, second to Tua. Tua's over 140. Joe's completing 74.7%, almost three out of every four. Tua's a little higher, 76, 77%. Eight touchdown passes, no interceptions. Tua's got nine touchdown passes, no interceptions. So as well as Joe's playing, as well as he's playing on third down, Tua's playing even better. And, and that, that offense that they've got going down in Miami with Tua, and the speed they have at the wide receiver position, they got two guys that can take the top off any defense. And it's all about creating space. And these guys can create a lot of space the way they can um, scare the defense, the big fear of having the ball thrown over your head. They can get it thrown over their head at any time during the football game. And they've got a good running game. Um, he schemes the running game well. They do a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweep, a lot of motion from receivers. It's it's very sophisticated. They've got a they've got a great offense, and uh, they handled the Cleveland Browns. There's no two ways about it. And and I was surprised that Cleveland didn't run the ball a little bit better than they did because that offensive line I think is 
is amongst the best in the in the league. But you get down there in Miami, and it's hot, and you fall behind, and uh, you know all of a sudden things can get ugly and nasty down there. But yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the thing. Which down the stretch, which football team is going to come out with the most consistent performance on a week to week basis? Period. That's no no high low high low. Every week, every week, show up, show up the same way. All right. Dolores is always with us on our live stream. All right, Dolores. Do you think Inspector Gadget, a.k.a. T. <laughs> Higgins, will pull a few gadget catches out of the bag? Taylor and Irwin looking good, too. We want to remind everybody, last week we had Trenton Irwin with us live in yes. the studio. We, we, we He was actually here in person. Yep. Uh, unbelievable young man that uh, has a lot going for him, even outside of football. Absolutely. Very intelligent. Went to Stanford. Stanford educated. Um, just a just a really good, really good human being. Wants to help his fellow human beings. He wants to give back. He's, he's, he's made of the right stuff. No question about it. Hardworking guy. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the Bengals um, are going to have to have Trent Norwin, uh, Trent Taylor, guys like that step up. Uh, here, here's, here's two examples of when you have a great player, what happens when he's not available to you? And I do think T Higgins is going to make some plays, some big plays. Like you said, six foot four, his arms are, are at least eight foot six. I mean, he's got a huge wingspan, uh, huge catch radius. He can jump. Uh, he's flexible. He's got it all really. So I think he will make some incredible catches down the stretch of the season. But Jamar Chase, not having Jamar Chase on the football field changes things. Jamar Chase is a guy that takes the top off the defense. Jamar Chase is a guy that can catch the ball in a crowd and run away from everybody. He's got physicality. He's strong. Um, he can run. He can get to top speed in a couple of steps. I mean, he's, he's a unique guy. And coverage tilts toward him. When you don't have Jamar Chase on the football field, the numbers that you got when you're T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and everybody else, a lot of those opportunities are there because of what teams are doing to take Jamar Chase out of the picture. When he's not there, you're going to get that coverage. You're going to get some of that stuff. So the trickle-down effect of losing a great player, not only what he can do uh, in forms and numbers that he puts up, but how he helps other guys lift their game be able to put numbers up as well because you can't double team everybody and without Jamar Chase in the game you can double team both T Higgins and Tyler Boyd you can double team both of them you can double team Jamar and T Higgins Tyler Boyd's going to eat but you're when you're down your number one receiver the other guys aren't going to eat anywhere near as much there's there's not a whole meal there there's more crumbs than a whole meal there because now coverage tilts toward you and not toward Jamar. T.J. Watt. Pittsburgh Steelers are 2-0 and when T.J. Watt plays this year. 1-6 when he doesn't. Tells you a lot right there. Their defense is light years better when he's on the football field. One guy in particular that's eating when he's on the football field is Hayward. They're uh, outside linebacker, edge rush guy. Highsmith, I should say. Hayward's the D-tackle. Highsmith 
has eight and a half sacks. Tied for fourth most in the NFL. Eight and a half sacks. He's gotten five of them in the two games that TJ Watts played. Five of the eight and a half. Why? Gonna double TJ. You gotta put you gotta pay a lot of attention to TJ Watt. TJ Watt's not in the game. He's not healthy. He's not playing. Hi, Smith. He gets more attention. He's only got three and a half sacks in the other seven games. The two games that TJ Watt played, he's got five. He got three against Jonah in the opener, three sacks, and he got two last week against New Orleans Saints, the two games that TJ Watt played in. So TJ Watt is taking all these, oh, we got to chip him, we got to slide the line, we got to do the TJ Watt teacher. I Smith, five sacks in two games. I'm telling you, it's not just you lose what these guys can do from a playmaking standpoint when they're not available to you. The ripple, the trickle-down to all the other players has a huge impact. I mean, it's easier to cover in the secondary when T.J. Watt's playing with Highsmith. You have two edge rush guys. Quarterback doesn't have the time that he has when T.J. Watt's not in the game. When T.J. Watt's not in the game, they can double Highsmith. And the guy that's playing in T.J. Watt's position isn't T.J. Watt. So now you have to cover for a longer period of time. You don't have an advantage of space. You know, you you don't have you're not winning that space. You're you're the quarterback can stay back there forever, pat the ball forever. You can't cover that long. All of it. I mean, the back end guys play better when TJ Watts playing. His teammates on the defensive line play better when TJ Watts playing. That's just when you have a great player like that, you suffer when he's not on the football field. T.J. Watt defensively, Jamar Chase for the Bengals offensively. They have different looks to them without those guys on the football field, and all the teammates can feel it. There's no doubt. All right. We want to remind everybody, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to In the Trenches with Dave Lapham. That helps us grow the channel. Also, like our videos. Uh, in this past week, we had Ted Karras, Trent Irwin. I mean, some great Peter guests. King. Peter King. Yep. Um, I mean, we 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 work. Dave works very hard to get top guests uh, each week, and uh, so. But if you haven't done so already, subscribe and like, uh, especially like all the videos. It helps the channel grow. More people find it because we're still growing. But we appreciate everybody. We also especially pre appreciate everything First Star Logistics does for us. Great place to work. We we come down here every week, and it, it, it the atmosphere is always high, intense. Uh, people having a good time with their work, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's an environment that uh, if you're looking for something to do, try this. Try this, working, uh, booking freight for companies all over the country. Um, it's a it's a high-energy environment. They work hard, play hard, have fun. It's, it's, a, it's a great environment. There's no question about it. Give it a look-see. It, it, could, it could be a great career for you. There, there are guys working with First Star Logistics that are doing extremely well for themselves and their families, and you could do the same. Andrew, Dave, what is your favorite Bengal Steeler game memory and favorite Vontez Burfecht memory? <laughs> yeah, Vontez Burfecht, obviously, and, uh, and Adam Pacman Jones, obviously, that, that, that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers will live in infamy forever. Um, Bengals had one and, and, and gave it back, gave it away. My favorite Pittsburgh memory, 
is 1981, we actually clinched the division by going to Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh 17-10, to 10, the year that we went to the, uh, to the Super Bowl, played in Super Bowl 16. And I remember the city went nuts. I mean, we flew back from Pittsburgh, um, and it, was, it wasn't the last game of the season. I mean, there were still games to be played, but we, uh, we knocked the Steelers off, and we clinched the, uh, clinched the division, the AFC Central, it was called at that time, and uh, the fans showed up. They showed up at the airport. I mean, when we got off the plane, it was like, man, there were TV cameras, lights everywhere, fans everywhere. It's like, wow, this is like a movie theater. This, this is like a movie set. They must be filming a movie here. And we work our way to the buses, travel back to the stadium. People are lined up. I mean, it was it was great. It was a, a heck of an atmosphere, heck of an environment. Uh, and to beat Pittsburgh was almost like poetic justice, you know, to 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 win the division and to and then to put ourselves in position to win the uh, the American Football Conference to be the number one number one seed at the end of the regular season to try to win the AFC championship. And it was huge. It gave us uh, that number one seed gave us home field advantage. We beat the Buffalo bills and then chargers Then San Diego chargers had to come to the Cincinnati old riverfront stadium, play a little freezing ball <laughs> where it was nine below raw temperature, 59 below wind chill. And uh, that was honestly, <laughs> I guess you call it home field advantage, but man, it was Charles Darwinism, man. It was survival of the fittest. That was no advantage to anybody playing in that kind of weather. I can tell you that right now, but Kenny Anderson outplayed Dan Fouts big time that day in that weather. There's no question about it. AP is turning in from France, Ooh. originally from Cincinnati. Who day? Who day, AP? And so we got him and Nash. Nash is over in, in England. Yeah. So we're getting international here. I like it. I like it. That's uh, over in Lyon, France, huh? I, I've been to Paris. Lots to see in Paris. The, the sites are the sites are pretty incredible. There's no question about it. Made made uh, some European uh, trips to Europe, I should say, when I was doing NFL Europe, and got to uh, see a lot of England, Germany, France. I mean, it was great. It was a great experience. Switzerland. It's cool. Dave, my, my question, I, I titled this, are the Bengals ready for the second half? Mm -hmm. So basically just like a game, last week was halftime. Now we get into the third and fourth quarter. This is a gauntlet yeah. of games coming up. Oh, it sure is. Uh, do you feel with everything that's gone on, the way the O-line played in the against the Panthers, we, we really saw what they can do. Um, well, I, th I thought that they – I thought that they'd grown – um, I thought they'd played well in other games, but the Panthers game was, was definitely, um, they've scored 42 points a season high, the offensive line dominated. And that's the reason they scored 42. I thought they played well against Atlanta as well. I thought they played well against new Orleans. So three out of the last four games, they played very well. Um, the egg was laid up in Cleveland though, uh, collectively it was a dinosaur egg. It wasn't just a little chicken egg. It was a big old dinosaur egg. I do think that the offensive line is playing at a much higher level now than they were at the beginning of the season because, like we talked about, nobody plays, uh, you know, in preseason. So particularly when you've got four new components, four out of the five guys 
had never played next to each other in an NFL game, you got to figure that it's going to take a little while. It'll take a, take a minute for everybody to get in total rhythm and synced up and, and, and they're getting there. I'll tell you the guy that I think is playing really, really good football, Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa is getting it done at that right guard position. Everybody's playing well, but I think Kappa is playing even at a little bit a cut above well. He's I, I think that kid is playing some really, really good football. Ted Karras is, is more than getting it done at the center position. He's providing outstanding leadership, and um, he's the guy that makes all the calls. He's the quarterback of the offensive line. I think Volston is is progressively every week is another experience that you know that makes him better. I think LC is is getting into a little bit of a rhythm. Um, you know he's dealing with that back issue, not not uh, practicing every day of the week. Still at this point, and making sure that he can play during the course of the season. I think he's playing at a at a at a much much better level. I thought against the Saints, he played against a a darn good football player in Cam Jordan did a hell of a job against him. I thought the Saints, Atlanta, and Carolina, LC was playing at a, at a very, very high level at the right tackle position as well. So, yeah, I, I think that my comment was that, you know, they're going to be better in later September than they were at the beginning of September, and they're going to be better in the second half of the season than they were in the first half of the season, and I still think that. I think that the offensive line is going to – is going to play very well, and and they're going to have to, because they're playing. They're, they're going to have to take the uh, pressure and load off of the defense, like we talked about. All these quarter playing the Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns with Watson. We talked about their offensive line, their running backs. That that's an unbelievable offensive football team. You're going to have to score a lot of points against the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with with Tom Brady at quarterback. You just they have a very salty defense as well at Tampa Bay. You don't know what the weather's going to be like, you know, uh, December 18th down there in Tampa. That could be a, something to deal with in terms of heat and humidity. Patriots with Belichick. I mean, yeah. Buffalo, Baltimore. Are you kidding? That is murderer's row, man. Murderer's row. And uh, you have to win those games. This pod, this podcast video cast is called In the Trenches. That's where the Bengals are going to have to shine in the second half of the season. They're going to have to win games in the trenches. You win in the trenches, then all your stars can shine. All your best actors can win their awards. You as an offensive lineman, you want to be a best supporting actor, and you want to live vicariously through the best actor going and getting his hardware, getting his awards. Let those skill guys be the best actors. you got to be the best supporting actor you possibly can be. Cliff? says he's a Northern Kentucky boy tuning in from Cali. And uh, I know he's a big UK fan. So he's taking a couple on the chin as far as UK football here lately, maybe again this weekend as they play Georgia, but uh, Cliff always tunes in. So we, we appreciate Cliff. Absolutely. Deja vu wants to know. Deja vu all over again. <laughs> why does it seem like we always get beat by one exposing player like a TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, our entire team is good. It should not happen. Well, that's why TJ Watt and Miles Garrett make the big bucks. Yeah, you gotta you gotta remember deja vu that the other team is good too. <laughs> I mean, all the players are good, or they wouldn't be in the league. But TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, these guys are the cream of the cream. They are perennial Pro Bowl players. They are the best players at their position. You know, you're talking about the two Pro Bowl defensive ends, 
and they're in the Pro Bowl a bunch of years in a row for a reason. So that when you have a great player like that, like Lawrence Taylor, you know, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys had great football teams, but Lawrence Taylor still affected the outcome of the football game. Um, Dallas Cowboys had a great offensive line. But when you have a guy like that, like a Micah Parsons that the Dallas Cowboys have, um, you know, the Giants had LT back in the day. When you have a guy like that, that is a huge influence on a snap-by-snap basis, uh, the outcome of the football game, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that, that, that's just something that, that you have to deal with. There's, there's a, a lot of gr- – most teams have great players, um, and, and you – you don't want you want to avoid being deficient at a position, never mind multiple positions. But if you're competitive everywhere, you're gonna you're gonna win a lot of football games. But then if you have this guy that can put you over the top uh, because of what he can do offensively or defensively, you know they they call them game wreckers for a reason, and it's it's uh, they're they're just so much better that. You know, from a matchup standpoint, you just can't handle them one-on-one. You have to create ways to scheme to try to, uh, you know, eliminate them. And, and like I said, uh, T.J. Watt, he requires so much attention. Highsmith, you know, he just he makes plays. Two, two games that T.J. Watt has been in for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Highsmith has five sacks. Six, uh, the seven games that TJ Watt wasn't a part of, he has three and a half. And it's a lot of it is because of what you have to do to contend with TJ Watt. TJ Watt makes Heisman's a really, really good player. He's great when he's got TJ Watt on the other side. I mean, he's closer to great. He's not the same player that TJ Watt is, but he's even high, he's the best version of himself when T.J. Watt's on the football field. That's just the nature of the beast. That's why the the great ones get paid the big bucks. There's no doubt about it. And that's why you have to have a, a, you know, if you don't have a quarterback in today's National Football League that operates at a high level, you can have a bunch of really, really good players everywhere else on your football team. You're not going to get to the promised land. You have to have that guy operating at a high level at the quarterback position. There's no doubt. Andrew came back and says he loves Teddy Karras's personality. So do we. I encourage everyone to go back and watch the one we just did with him last week because at the very end, the things he's doing off the field, the Cincy hat. Yep. Make sure you go get that link. Help support what Ted's supporting over in his hometown. Ted is uh, is a tremendous uh, human being, not just a tremendous football player, but just just a great person. And And he brings the energy. He brings the enthusiasm uh, every single day. And uh, his thing after the Cleveland game was he was going to monitor the locker room and make sure that there was no pouting, you know, no sulking over the football game. He was going to be the attitude adjustment guy if there needed to be one. And there didn't have to be one. Everybody realized the reason, the reasons that the Cleveland game ended up working out the way it did and they went to work to correct it, and they played well against Carolina. Can they continue it? You know, can they pick it up? Have the like a lot of a lot of people. You know, oh man, after that game, ooh, you don't want to take a bye. You don't want to take a week off. 
you, that there's something to be said said for that, but that's just the way the schedule fell. So now you have to be a pro, and you have to come back and pick up where you left off and and put the uh, preparation into it like you did for the Carolina game and go out and execute like you did in the Carolina game. I mean, whatever the coaches called, the players were up to it and wanted to execute it and did at the highest level, man. It was it was a sight to behold. That, that first half was complete and utterly complimentary football at the highest level it can be. 35 points, 315 yards to no points and 32 yards. Are you kidding me? Crazy. We want to stress, we want to thank First Star Logistics for everything they do for us, providing us the studio, the equipment, the time, and the resources to grow this channel over the last almost two years now. Dave, we're coming out in the spring, be two years in the Getting spring. Getting after it. Yes, sir. So with everyone's help, this channel continues to grow. Again, be sure to check out First Star Logistics if you're looking for a new career change. And Dave, we're going to kind of run this in the last part, get your final thoughts as this is a big game. This game, I don't know people realize how big it is. They get they got to get a win in the AFC North this weekend. Got to. 0-3. Oh 0-3. Three. Oh three. Only got four losses. It's a 5-4 and four football team. Three of the four losses are against division opponents. So the first half of the season, the first time you played everybody in the division, it went over. So now it's time to make up for that. And you gotta you gotta start it with the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. You gotta get a, a W there. And l- let's just put it this way. Remember, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in 14 years as a head coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Never had a losing season. And right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are two and six, or three and six. Three and six with that win, I guess. They're uh they're three and six. So they say, all right, well, we've already beaten Pitts, uh, Cincinnati once. We, we want to beat them in Cincinnati, and now we're going to tr- beat them in Pittsburgh and go four and six and, and get another division win. I mean, that's the mindset that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. The Bengals have to be acutely aware of that and, and realize that with Mike Tomlin, he's going to try to run the football, protect his young rookie quarterback. He's going to play great defense. He's going to make you earn everything. And obviously – you look you look at it it's it's almost absurd what the Bengals did in that first game five turnovers no takeaways five giveaways no takeaways on the season the Bengals only have um 10 giveaways on the year they had five in that first game in the other eight games they've only got five more they're tied for eighth fewest in the NFL after being minus five and dead last buried after week one on, on the flip side of it, Pittsburgh's only got 12 takeaways. They got five of them in the first game. So they've only got seven the rest of the season. Take care of the football. You go minus five, you're going to lose 99.99% of the time, particularly if one of them they take back for a touchdown. We've already gone over this ad nauseum. Not only that, the turnovers, you lose your deep snapper. You're, you're all pro kicker. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has a pick six for a touchdown and blocks an extra point. Minka Fitzpatrick accounts for seven points. He's not playing in this football game. Ironically, he's got appendicitis. How about that? Joe Burrow was coming back from it in the opener. 
Minka Fitzpatrick is going to miss this opening game of the second half of the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers again with appendicitis. That's kind of ironic. Um, you know, with that said, you have he blocks the extra point or you win the game in regulation. Your Pro Bowl kicker misses a 29-yard field goal. I mean, th those things just don't happen because you have issues, snapper holder and all that sort of thing because of the injury to Clark Harris at that time. Cal Edomitis is on the practice squad. Now it's, now it's all rectified. It's all taken care of. But it, Murphy's Law was in full effect in that first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it cost the Bengals. There's, there's no question about it. Got to make restitution for this one. Got to make restitution for what happened in, in week one. Got to go to Pittsburgh and get that dub, no doubt. Again, we want to thank everybody. Put my mic on. Again, we want to thank everybody for being with us here on In the Trenches with Dave Lapham. We appreciate you taking part, asking questions, and uh, hopefully we'll do another one here soon. Be sure to stay tuned to In the Trenches during the week as we'll have our keys to game later in the week. We'll have our special guest. will probably be released tomorrow. That'd be Kenny Anderson, my yeah, man. The, the great Kenny Anderson. Yes. He, um, Kenny played in Cincinnati, coached in Pittsburgh. Great guy to talk to about this football game. And uh, Dave, any last thoughts before we get out of here and get ready for Mr. Anderson? No, I mean, I think we've, uh, we've pretty much covered this one, this one big time. Obviously it's a, it's, it's a massive football game. I think it's very interesting that you start the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You start the second half of the season after the bye with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Minka Fitzpatrick was such a huge factor in the opener. Minka Fitzpatrick's not going to be playing in this football game. It's a lot of a lot of things to to contemplate uh, with the football gods in this one. Go out, take care of the football, run the football, win the game. All you have to do is win by a point. Come back to Cincinnati with a W in the division. Again, thanks to First Star Logistics for everything they can do for us. And until next time, this is Dave Burke for Dave Lapham in the trenches. At First Star Logistics, we're a very strict company that really puts the pressure on our employees. <laughs> Brakes? What are those? That's what I'm talking about, Icky. Get the body right, then the mind's right. You know, yeah. you know gotta get that body right. That's right. right. Yes, sir. Become a star with a chance to earn the highest commission percentages in the industry as a freight broker agent. Check out firststarlogistics.com.